All right, well, this morning, I'm going to be talking about one of the Beatitudes, and, and as Tyrone read right before the service in Matthew chapter 5, you could turn there if you would like, uh, Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to be highlighting verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, this has been on my heart uh, for a while, actually, uh, in in our Bible study, we're, we're studying the book of Matthew, and for those that go to, to the Bible study on Mondays with us, I tend to talk a lot, and uh, we've, we've already been five weeks in the book of Matthew and barely got to verse 11, um, but it's, it's very, very good just in studying the word. If you guys don't go to a CLG, please get plugged in. They're, they're, they're up on the wall. Um, they're, it's vital to your growth um, spiritually, personally, and that'll help you in, in your personal relationship with Jesus. But one of the, the first, first couple weeks in uh, the, the book of Matthew, we, we went over blessed are the poor in spirit. And Pastor Tyrone told me I had an opportunity to preach. And he said, it's, it's a standalone message. Preach whatever you would like. And this just kept coming and coming and coming. So for the last few weeks, I've been studying and studying and just reading so many different commentaries, different uh, uh, messages and everything that I could find on this. I, I was telling Tyrone this morning, uh, I have 28 pages of notes, so bear with me, okay? But I've condensed it down to just a few, um, just, just for time's sake. The pastor won't let me go longer than 35 minutes. So, <laughs> But getting into this message, it's really going to help us to understand the basics of Christianity. It's going to help us to understand really... The Beatitudes is a message that Jesus spoke that you could say is, was, was his kingdom message. It was his basic message that he continued to teach throughout his lifetime. And to understand that these Beatitudes are the characteristics of a Christian. These Beatitudes are the characteristics of Christ. When you look at these Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who are meek, blessed are the, those who mourn, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart. You, you begin to see all these things and you look at the life of Jesus, you could understand that this is who Jesus was. And as Christians, we need to be like Jesus, right? And really in this, I'm, I'm, I'm going to help just to understand what blessed are the poor in spirit. What does it really mean to be poor in spirit and how do we understand if we are. But before we get into that, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we love you so much and we thank you for this opportunity to be in your word, Lord, to be in your presence this morning. Lord, we thank you for the worship that, that drew us into your presence. And Lord, right now I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open up our hearts and our minds, that we would be able to hear what you have to say to us. Lord, that you would speak specifically to us, each individual, help us to apply it to our lives so that we could become more like you. Lord, that's the whole purpose. That's the whole goal of Christianity is that we would become more like you. Why? So that we could go tell others about the wonderful Jesus that we serve. So, Lord, this morning, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, I, I'm, the, I'm the kind of guy, I like, I like some feedback. You guys could talk. You could be loud. And I, I'm good with that, okay? I told my wife last time, I said, it was like really quiet in there. And she's like, no, it was loud. And I was like, well, I guess from up here you can't hear anybody. Um, but focusing on verse, verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to start off with a, with a quick little story. 
There's a story told of a young American student who visited the Beethoven Museum in Bonn, Germany. The student became fascinated by Beethoven's piano that was displayed there. It was a thrill to think that Beethoven had composed some of his greatest works on that piano. The student asked the museum guard if she might play a few notes on it. To help persuade the guard, she gave him a lavish tip. The guard agreed, and the girl went, and she played on the piano the opening to moon, the, the Moonlight Sonata. She, as she was leaving, she said to the guard, I suppose that all the great pianists who come here want to play on that piano. And the guard shook his head. He said, I'm going to mess his name up, Pad, Padrioski, the famous Polish pianist, was here a few years ago, and he said he wasn't even worthy to touch that piano. Poverty in spirit is not something that is natural for us. What's another word for um, a, a, a way to describe poverty in spirit is, is the humble. It's not natural in our time, in our culture, to desire to be poor in spirit. It's not natural for us because we like to, we like to use words like self-reliance, like self-confidence. Now, let me ask you a question. Is it bad to be self-confident? No, right? I, that's the time you could respond. Um, is it bad to be self-reliant? No, no, it's not. When does it become bad? When it's all about you. When your focus is yourself and, and trying to be seen and trying to be heard and trying to be known, that's where the line is drawn. When we are self-confident, when we are self-reliant in who Jesus is and who he's made us to be, that's a different story, right? And what he wants us to do, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who, who, who understand, which we're going to, I'm kind of getting ahead, but those who understand that they are lacking. Those who understand that they, they don't have what it takes because how many guys in here are worthy of Jesus? How many guys are here, here are worthy of entering into the kingdom of God? None of us. But it's because of the blood of Jesus and because of his sacrifice on the cross that he gave us the ability and the worthiness to enter in. Why? Because he's worthy, right? Jesus, the lamb that was spotless, that was without blemish and without stain, he sacrificed his life in my place so that I could be worthy to enter the kingdom of heaven. When you understand that, you're going to begin to understand what it truly means to be poor in spirit. Because you understand that you can't do it on your own. That there's no good that you can do. The Bible says in, in the book of Psalms, I believe, that, that no one does good, not even one. When you read that, you know, it, I don't know about you, but sometimes you get emotional when you read the Bible. And when I say emotional, not really crying, but you're like... You want to throw it away? Because it's like, I can't live up to that. You, you have told me that nobody could be good, not even one. So that, means, that includes me and that nobody. So how can I be good enough when you understand that and when you begin to realize that concept of I can't do it on my own, that I have nothing to give, that I have no right, I have no worthiness to be able to enter into the kingdom of God, then you're going to begin to understand what it means, what it truly means to be poor in spirit. In the J.B. Phillips translation 
of this verse, it says this, happy are the humble-minded, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are the humble-minded. The poor in spirit could be, could be talked about as the foundation of the Beatitudes. Because let me ask you a question. Do you think that you could be pure in heart without being poor in spirit? You might think, well, maybe. But why did Jesus start with the poor in spirit? Charles Finney says that there's a ladder, and every single ladder has to have that foot, first step that's close to the ground. Because when they have that ladder that's, that's close to the ground, he, could, he knows that he could climb to the next step and the next step, and the next step. And Jesus started with the poor in spirit to understand, hey, no, no, this is where you have to start. He didn't start with blessed are the pure in heart because guess what? Nobody could attain that. But blessed are the poor in spirit. He helped us to understand who we were. But the good thing is when we see ourselves through his eyes, how many guys know that we're great, amen? And it's not because of us. So what does it mean to be poor in spirit. I'm going to go over qu- four quick things, like just, just quick questions to help us to understand what it means to be in, poor in spirit. The first one is, what poor in spirit is not? So let me help you to understand what it is not. First of all, as, as I was studying and preparing, even for the Bible study, one of the things that I was thinking about a lot was that to me, growing up, you know, how many guys just, you, you read the Bible, you read it on a daily basis, and it's good, and you get to this part, and, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, and you've already memorized them, so you just do it really fast, and you go over it, and you go to the next page, and keep going to the next page, but you don't spend time really thinking about what it says. When, growing up, I always thought that meant the poor in spirit are those who don't know Jesus, because what does poor mean? It means those that are lacking, right? You're lacking something, you have nothing, and I always thought that it meant somebody who didn't know who Jesus was, but then it says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and then I had to realize that that can't be because those that don't know who Jesus is, what does the Bible say? The only, only um, you, you come to heaven, you, no one comes to the Father but by me, right? So we have to know who Jesus is in order to be able to re- receive the kingdom of heaven. And so I, I, once I understood that, I was like, okay, now what does it really mean? Or what does it not mean? It does, it's not talking about financial poverty. Have you, have, you thought about, have you thought about it like financial poverty? Spiritual poverty is, is not a matter of money. It's not a matter of how much wealth that you have. We all could be flat broke but still not be poor in spirit. The real issue with being poor in spirit has nothing to do with finances but it's a heart issue, as we're going to talk about in a minute. It's your heart. It's how do you see yourself? Do you have that self-confident spirit that's based on yourself? Or do you have that, that spirit that is humble and that, is, that, that humbles itself before the Lord? Being poor in spirit does not mean being bibli- biblically illiterate. Some people might think that to have Bible knowledge means that you're spiritually mature. I don't know about you, but I've grown up around people that know the Bible better than I do. And I'm not saying anything good about myself, but they they know the Bible better than I do. And they're not spiritually mature. Have you seen that? Maybe you've experienced that. Because like I've told you before, at one point when I was 11 years old, I I had the book of Matthew, 1st and 2nd Peter, and the book of Hebrews memorized word for word. And it was, I I had to do competitions on it to be able to show that I knew that. And guess what? I was very good at it. But I 
was self-confident. I didn't, it, I had the Bible knowledge, but let me tell you, I wasn't living for Jesus at that time in any way, shape, or form. So just because you know what the Bible says doesn't mean that you're the poor in spirit. It's not how much you know, it's how much you obey and you apply. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, it says this, but Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, I like that word, because he's really trying to get you to understand. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. So you don't have to do that anymore. You just have to submit. God wants obedience. He doesn't want the sacrifice. Yes, we're going to sacrifice things in our life. And to me, that's become a pet peeve of mine. And I don't say, oh, I'm going to sacrifice this for the Lord. No, no, no. I'm going to be obedient to the Lord and what he has told me to do. And then that's when the Lord, that's when the Lord gets glorified. Amen. The poor in spirit is not only about knowing the word or reading the word, but it's about living the word out with your life. When you see somebody who is truly a student of the word, that they read the word, that they study the word, that they love the word, you're going to see it manifested in the way that they live their life. They are going to be the nicest, most respectful people in the world until you become like Jesus. (laughs) Now, what does that mean? How many of you guys know Jesus wasn't always the nicest person in the world? Did he flip tables? Did he go crazy at times? No, he did it once, but it was, it was out of righteous anger, right? We get angry at the things that God gets angry at. When, when you sin in your life, that should bring up that angry spirit within you to say, hey, you know what, this isn't who I am, right? So, but the things that please God are the things that please us. We're not going to just know the word or read the word, but we're going to live it out. Being poor in spirit doesn't mean thinking of yourself poorly, People think that they must put themselves down, reminding themselves of how bad and how unworthy they are, and that is what makes them poor in spirit. Have you ever thought about that? Unworthy. When I feel unworthy, you know what I want to do? Nothing. Because I can't attain it. If there's something that I'm trying to accomplish in my life and there's, there's no ability within me to attain it, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to move on to the next thing. Because I'm, I'm unworthy of fulfilling that. I'm unworthy of doing that. But when people begin to get down on themselves, this is not a negative getting down on yourself, being poor in spirit, that you have to look down and, 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 and talk negatively about yourself. That's not what he's talking about. Because when people do that, all they're going to do is disconnect from the Lord. Because I'm not even worthy. When you, maybe this is only me, but when you've sinned before, does that make you like, yes, now I get to go be with Jesus. No, that makes you feel like, you know, what, what am I doing? And you, you don't want to get there because you know that you've messed up. Well, guess what? We've all messed up. And that's why Jesus shed his blood. But when we understand, you know what? I messed up. I, I'm a man. I'm, I'm, I'm a human being. I need to run to the feet of Jesus. How many of you guys have ever received conviction before in your life? What does conviction do? What is conviction supposed to do? It's supposed to push you towards the cross. What does condemnation do? It pushes you away from the cross. The Bible says there is, no, uh, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But you know what? When we receive that conviction of the Holy Spirit, it pushes us towards the cross. God doesn't want us to think poorly of ourselves. He wants you to think properly about yourself 
how, but the way that he sees you. He wants you to see yourself the way that he sees you. He wants you to see yourself through his eyes. My Bible tells me that before he formed me in my mother's womb that he knew me. It also tells me that, that he has predestined me to do the things that he wants me to do, amen? He, it, it tells me so many beautiful things. I was, this morning, driving to, to church, I was listening to a song, and it was Psalms 139, that I am fearfully, wonderfully made. How many of you guys know that you're fearfully and wonderfully made? Does that have anything to do with you? No, it has everything to do with Jesus. He made us. He made you just the way that he wanted to make you, and what you have to do is surrender and submit to him. So if poverty in spirit or being poor in spirit isn't talking about finances, it's not talking about biblical literacy or putting yourself down, what is poor in spirit? What is poor in spirit? The New Testament has two different words for this word poverty. The first word is talking about a person who struggles in their life, talking about the working poor. But the second word, it speaks about absolute poverty, being destitute, bankrupt, of the Christian virtues and the eternal riches, lacking anything in respect to their spirits. And this is the word that Jesus used when he spoke this beatitude. Those that are bankrupt. Within us, when we understand that we're spiritually bankrupt, I don't know, I don't, I don't really, I, I could care less how many years that you've been saved. You could be saved for 50, 60, 70 years, but this is still something that we have to understand, that we are poor in spirit, not just because we know. I don't care how much you know of what the Bible says. This is, and again, this is not a negative thing. I don't, I don't want you to take it negatively whatsoever. But we are spiritually bankrupt, that we don't have the capability to, to enter into the presence of God, to do what God wants us to do. You know, um, Tyrone was talking about David and how David, Deanda, they, they just go and they minister all the time. They're always evangelizing. God put that inside of him, but David understands. Talking to him yesterday was, was really awesome for me because I got to see what's inside this man. He is a man who, who I would describe as poor in spirit. That he, he's like, it's, it's not about him. It has nothing to do with him because he knows who he used to be. How many of you guys know who he used to be before Christ? And, and we know who we are now, but it's not because of us. It's completely because of Jesus. To be, in, to be poor in spirit means to realize that you're spiritually bankrupt. In, in a commentary, it says this. To be poor in spirit is not, is, is not to lack courage, but to acknowledge spiritual bankruptcy. It confesses one's unworthiness before God and utters dependence upon him. Charles Spurgeon says this, not, not what I have, but what I have not is the first point of contact between my soul and God. We have to understand what we don't have, what we lack, and guess what that is? That's everything. He is our everything. He is everything that we need. He is everything that we need to desire. And, and in him, we're going to be completely fulfilled. No matter what you have on this earth, no matter what physical possessions we have, in him, we are completely fulfilled. One of the best biblical illustrations of poor in spirit is found in this story in Luke chapter 18, verse 19 through 14. I'm gonna, I mean, 9 through 14. I'm going to read it to you. It says, then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Has that ever been you? Two men in the temple went to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood before, 
stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I am certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. Have you ever felt good about yourself because you fasted, that you give? And it goes on to say this, verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. And this, this is what Jesus says, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned, returned home justified before God. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's not about what we do. In, in uh, I can't think of the, the, the book. It's one of the Gospels. When someone died, they go before Jesus. But, but didn't I say, didn't I do wonderful things? Didn't I cast out devils in your name? I did many wonderful works. But I will confess unto them, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. What is wrong with that? In our Christian life, we could come to church every single Sunday. We could check the boxes. We could read our Bibles throughout the week. We could invite somebody to church. We can be the light within our workplace. But is our heart in the right place? Is it because of us or is it because of him? Are we doing this to bring glory, to make people like us and, 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 and want to be around us? Or are we doing this to, to bring him glory and him honor and him fame. The Pharisee, he was self-promoting. He was boasting about what he does for the kingdom. He was arrogant, prideful, self-righteous, and absolutely not poor in spirit. The tax collector, he was humbled. He was broken because of his own sin. His prayer was not elegant. It was not long. All he could say was, God, have mercy on me because I'm a sinner. Have you guys ever prayed that prayer before? Is that something that you realize on a daily basis? Like, I'm not worthy. I am a sinner. God, what can I do? And you know what he wants us to do? Just to run to his feet. Just to get at his feet and just to be in his presence and to live there so that he could do what he wants to do in our lives. So that he could win souls and make disciples so that he could make, the, make you and do through you the things that are going to glorify him and him alone. And Jesus said, I tell you, that sinner was justified. That tax collector went home justified because he had done, not, not because he had merely done the right thing, because he had a right heart. He truly was poor in spirit. So how, how can I know if I'm poor in spirit? Psalms 23, 3 and 4 says this, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. When you realize that you're spiritually bankrupt, when you realize that you have nothing to give, that you're, the Bible says that our righteousness is like a filthy rag. The best that we can do, have you guys ever changed oil before? or seen oil chains before, I pay somebody to do it, but um, if you've seen oil chains before and you see those rags and how saturated they are and how disgusting they are, well that, the Bible says that our righteousness is like that. 
It's like a filthy rag. So how can I be pure? How can I get to that point or, or, or that step in that ladder where I am pure in heart? It's where you have to start because you're poor in spirit. You understand that I can't do it at all. It's not because of the good things that I've done. It's not because of the, 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 the encouragement that I gave to somebody else. It's not because of my knowledge of the word. It's because I don't have anything to give. And without Christ, how many of you guys know that, this might be offensive in a little bit, how many of you guys know that you're worthless? Without Christ, I'm worthless. I'm worth nothing. But with him, because of him, I'm worth everything. Amen? The poor in spirit, they're humbled, not just on the outside or verbally, because there's a lot of people who could be like that, right? They put on the good, um, they put on their church clothes, they might even put on a tie, they might put on some cologne, please do that. Um, And on the outside, they look good. On the outside, they look humble because they speak the right things. They know the language to talk, especially when they're in church. But it's not about what we do on the outside, it's about our heart. Poor in spirit means to be absent of spiritual pride. Pride says, look at me and how good I am. Humility says that all the good that is in me comes from God. Pride says it it causes us to compare ourselves to others and says, look at how much better I am than you are. Wow, I just got convicted Um, of my past. I've been forgiven, amen? Uh, Humility causes us to compare ourselves with God and to recognize how far short that we fall. There's a man named Powell, he once said this, pride is so subtle that if we aren't careful, we will become proud of our humility. When this happens, our goodness becomes badness. That's not proper English, but he said it. Our virtue becomes vices. We can easily become like the Sunday school teacher having told the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector that says to the children, children, let's bow our heads and thank God that we're not like the Pharisee. Have you ever, reading that story, you kind of might feel like that, like, yeah. No, 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 no. That's not what it's about. When you compare yourself to Jesus, you're gonna realize that you're not it. You don't meet the mark. There's nothing that you can do to meet that mark. But when you see yourself through his eyes, how many guys know that he is going to be glorified in what he does through you? The message translation translates it like this. Blessed are you when you are at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God in his rule. In John 3.30, it says, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less Unless one of the most important lessons that we need to learn is we have to stop relying on ourselves. We have to stop thinking that we have everything under control. We have to stop thinking that we have it figured out, that I know it all. And we have to completely surrender to Jesus. We have to completely let everything go and say, Jesus, I have nothing. Paul, one of study the life of Paul just on your own just it it, it will bring a lot of conviction to your life and it will help you so much because Paul was one of the most educated men of his time talking about religiously he knew the word of God 
He was so zealous, and he thought what he was doing was right. Have you ever thought that in your life? He thought that what he was doing was right. He studied under Gamaliel, which was, one, which was probably one of the greatest Pharisees to ever live, one of the most knowledgeable Pharisees to ever live. And Paul had everything. And he, he, he could have went and preached anywhere, done anything, and people would respect that man because of his knowledge. But you know what he said? I forget everything. I consider it nothing. And I've crucified myself. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. That is where we have to get as Christians. It doesn't matter how much you've read your Bible. It doesn't matter how many times you've read this thing from cover to cover. It doesn't matter how many verses that you have memorized. It doesn't matter how many times that you've had the opportunity to speak or to teach, or it doesn't matter how many people that you've led to Jesus. Nothing of that matters because it's not about you. You know, I'm going to kind of get a little personal for a few, mi- few moments. For years and years and years in my Christian walk, <clears throat> I-, I was so satisfied with what I knew. I was so proud. And, sorry. Okay, I would look at other churches and other Christians and think they don't have what I have. They're not as good as me. And that'll jack you up. Because that is the heart of a Pharisee. Gosh. No, you don't, I I wasn't trying to get you to clap. Um, trying to encourage myself. Come on, keep going. My estrogen's a little high right now. Forgive me. Um, But when I realized that, my life completely changed. My perspective changed. My understanding changed. And I realized how much I didn't know. I realized how much I needed Jesus. I realized that there was no amount of teaching, there was no amount of, of, of reading the word, studying the word, preparing to do what, I, what, what God has called me to do that makes me better than anybody else. Because Jesus died for you and everybody else that goes to church around this world just like he died for me. And I am unworthy just like everybody else is unworthy. But because of the blood of Jesus, I am worthy. I am made righteous in his eyes because of who he is. And when I understood that, man, my, my whole life completely changed. I remember, again, I said I'll get a little personal and then we'll finish. I remember the first time that I walked out and uh, where, where I used to, to go, um, one of the things that happened, every time you walked out, there was a little vi- video that came up and it said pastor and wh- whoever it was that was preaching. The first time that that happened and I came out, I almost broke right there because I realized that I'm unworthy, that it's not about me, that it's not because of what I've done, but it's simply because of who Jesus is, amen? And when you get that, when you understand that, you begin to understand that that you need more of him 
to me, this has become the most important beatitude. And every single one of them build off of this. Blessed are those who mourn. You're not going to mourn if you're not poor in spirit because you're not going to care. You cannot be pure in heart unless you're poor in spirit. You cannot be righteous unless you're poor in spirit. All of those things are impossible to have unless you become poor in spirit and understand who you are. Because let me tell you something. When you encounter Jesus, when you meet him face to face, somebody is going to change. And my Bible tells me that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we have to encounter him. We have to get into his face. What can I do to become poor in spirit? I'm going to quickly go through John 5, 19. It says, Jesus explained, truly, truly, I say to you, no one can come to the, the son cannot do anything by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. And whatever the father does, the son also does. We have to read, read the word. We have to see what God did. We have to see what Jesus did and then to live our life like him. How many of you guys know that God wasn't physically there with Jesus? If God wasn't physically there with Jesus and Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I first see the father do it, what was Jesus doing that I'm not doing? He was constantly in the presence of God. If you read through the gospels, he got away by himself. He got away to a lonely place, place and there he prayed. He spent time with, Jesus, with God because he knew he needed it. And if the son of God needs that, how much more do I need that? It's time for us to just allow God to show us, allow God to, to, to be in front of us and say, God, wherever you're at, I'm there. I'm gonna join you in whatever you're doing. It doesn't have to align with my plan because my plan failed 50 years ago, although I'm only 34, but it failed a long time ago. Your plan is the best plan. And I'm gonna join myself with you. I'm gonna humble myself before you so that you could receive the glory. Think of Isaiah Isaiah and Peter, and then I'm going to close. Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, 5, then I said, it is all over. I am doomed, this is Isaiah, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. And Peter, when he, the miraculous fist catch, and he got those, those fish in the boats, the two boats, that, the boat that came to help him, and they both were sinking, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell on his knees before Jesus and he said, Lord, please leave me. I am too much of a sinner to be around you. I'd like you to stand with me. Church, it's time for us to be the church. It's time for us to be who God has made us to be. But the only way that we're going to be able to get to that point is when we realize who we are and who he is. I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir right here, but let me tell you, when you get in the presence of Jesus and when you see him for who he is, that right there is going to make you realize that you have nothing, that you are nothing, and that you can't compare. And I want us to get to that place as a church, that it's not about us. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What is the end result? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven.
That is the promise that God has for each one of you. The kingdom of heaven is his promise to you, but he says, come and humble yourself before me. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the humble hearted. This isn't an issue about pride. It's not an issue about arrogance. It's an issue about humility. And completely surrendering yourself to Jesus. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I'm just going to spend a few moments just praying for you. And I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to just remind you of who Jesus is. I want you even at this moment to get a picture of Jesus hanging on the cross. That you see him there, that he's bloodied, he's beaten, he's tortured. And he did this in your place. We should have been the ones that were paying the price for our own sin, but Jesus sacrificed himself in our place. Greater love has no man than this, than one that would lay down his life for a friend. Jesus loved us so much. And when we begin to see that, we understand that we can't compare. Lord, I pray right now for every single person in this place. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would would show them who they are. And Lord, then you would show them who you are. And Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Because it's by grace that we're saved. It's by grace that we are made righteous. That word righteous means to be in right standing with God. There's no way naturally that we could become righteous. But it was because of the blood that you shed on the cross. It was because of your sacrifice that we have been made holy. Church, I want you to hear this. And I want you to hear not not just my voice speaking it to you, but, but the voice of the Lord telling you, you're holy. You're righteous. You're perfect. And it's not because of anything that you have done, but it's because of everything that he did. I want you to begin to see yourself the way that he sees you. And it's time as individuals, as a church and as the body of Christ that we humble ourselves before God, that we say, God, I have nothing to give. There's nothing in me that's gonna be able to to accomplish the things that I know that you want to accomplish, Lord. So, Lord, I submit to you. I want you to see those people in your workplace that need to know who Jesus is, the people at your school that don't know him and know that you're the one that God has called to show them the love of Christ. And the way that we do that is by humbling ourselves before him. And God is going to exalt himself through you. Lord, I pray that we as a church would would run back to you, Jesus. 
that we would lay everything down at the foot of the cross and that we would be poor in spirit. And Lord, you called us blessed. You called us blessed. And the promise is ours is the kingdom of heaven. Lord, I love you so much. If I could get the, the prayer team, just come to the front real quick and well, if there's anybody in here who has never given your life to Jesus, let me tell you, that's the most important thing. Without surrendering your life to him, none of this is, will ever matter. But he loves you so much that he gave up his life for you. If that's you and you, you need Jesus, you could come to the front. If you're here today and you're thinking, I have a prideful and arrogant spirit. And let me tell you, I, I've already told you some of my story and I, I, I couldn't tell you anymore or else it wouldn't have been good. But if you know, you know I, I need that. You could come to the front as well. They're gonna play a, a quick song. Sorry, we, I didn't prepare them for this, but they'll just play a quick song and then take us into the doxology. But the altar is open. The altar is open. Let's come and receive from the Lord. Amen.